Hi everyone, this is Ambition Podcast. I'm Ellen Buchan, Insights and Communications Assistant at Amber. Last month, I caught up with Bernard Marr. We spoke about the implications of AI, whether it was being properly governed and its ability to help with healthcare and also the coronavirus. We also touched upon the future of digitalization and the impact that they will have on the future of business. Enjoy. Hi Bernard, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career please? Yes, so I, I was born in, in Germany, then moved to England to study at Cambridge where I finished my degrees and they then offered me a job so I thought this was great, I don't have to have to find a job. So I joined the academic staff there, I worked at the, the, the Judge Institute, at the business school there and um, and then moved from there to another business school, to Country School of Management, where I worked for 10 years, doing a bit of consulting work, research and teaching. And then about 10, 12 years ago, I left the university setting and now just work uh, for myself, um, doing three things. I, I still do the writing, so I write books, I've written um, 17 books, I write for Forbes and write for LinkedIn. And the second thing I do is I could do consulting work. So I work with major brands all across the world and, and government organizations, helping them with their strategy and their digital transformation. And the third thing is I, I do speaking and, and keynotes and training. And I still do a bit of, of teaching for various business schools. And where did you realize your passion for technology? It, it really started... Um, Early on in my career, when I was doing my dissertation at Cambridge, um, it was on the technology companies would use to manage and measure performance. So it was all about how they display their KPIs or do they create dashboards. And I was doing an evaluation of all the different software packages at my dissertation. And this was then picked up by Gartner and released as, as a Gartner report on performance management software packages which then really catapulted me into the technology industry. And then I've just followed along because what was uh, management information systems then moved into analytics, then into big data, then into artificial intelligence. And then I started writing for Forbes as a technology writer. And now I work as a, as a futurist that looks at all, all key technology trends that, that are going to, to make an impact on the world. And so what ind- industries are you most excited about the impact that AI can have? In, in terms of artificial intelligence, which I think is the, 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 the most significant business trend at the moment, um, what I'm, I actually call this the intelligence revolution. Some organizations talk about or some commentators talk about the, the fourth industrial revolution. For me, AI is the most significant business trend. and it will actually impact every single business in every single industry. It will help businesses um, and will force businesses to reimagine their products, make them smarter. Um, If you just think about companies like Braun that now build AI into their toothbrushes that give you um, feedback on how well you've brushed and whether you've missed out a tooth or a certain part in your mouth. it is helping companies to reimagine the services they're offering. If you think about Netflix and what they're now doing um, with recommending that the next film that you will watch using AI, um, 
And then it helps companies to also reimagine and rethink their own operations where you, where companies like Alibaba, the, the e-commerce line, giant in, in China, is now using AI in most of their operations, including writing the product description. So this is now completely automated where an AI will pick up a product and write the description for it that, that could potentially be customized to to different viewers. So every industry will be impacted, but the two I'm particularly excited about that I think it will make a huge difference is education and healthcare. Um, healthcare, especially at the moment, we realize how hugely important this is. And, and AI, I believe, can automate, can improve a lot of things in healthcare and in education too, where we, I, I believe the current education model is pretty broken. It was set up for the previous industrial revolutions. We now have this intelligence revolution where people, well, we need to come up with new ways of teaching people. And one, one way to do this is to use some of the tools. It's a bit like video games that if I play a video game, the video game will automatically understand how good I am and then therefore adjust the levels and to, to make it fun for me. And we can do the same with teaching. And and a, a, a teacher can't do this. He, he or she can't differentiate this in a classroom of 30 kids to give everyone this kind of experience. We need to rethink how we balance this and give people this digital experience as well as the, the, the face-to-face benefits of and, and, and class interactions that we need. Do you think there's a dark side of AI? Can we stop human bias from interfering with it? I, I think what we're seeing at what we're seeing at the moment is that we are seeing biases in our artificial intelligence systems that reflect some of the biases we have already in society, and there are some some implicit and some um, explicit biases. So, for example, if we if in the past when a group of people made a decision about giving a prisoner parole or not. There's no one knew how those people made those decisions. So it was completely non-transparent. But we somehow believe that people, because they can make those decisions, haven't got any biases. And of course, they have biases. And we then pass some of those decisions to AIs, which is exactly what is happening at the moment. Lots of parole decisions are now um, made by artificial intelligence tools. And what is happening is that sometimes they can be biased in the same way humans can be biased. But actually what this allows us to do is to make this whole process a bit more transparent. So um, lots of AIs at the moment are these black boxes where we basically we give them data, they then learn from this data, they make a decision, and no one quite quite understands how this works. What is happening at the moment is that we're trying to make this whole process a bit more transparent. And we try to understand, are there any biases in the data that the, the algorithm is using? So we're training an algorithm to find the next president of the US, and we simply feed the, 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 the data of all the previous presidents, and we'll, we'll find another middle-aged um, white male. Or, or, and so what we need to do is we need to think about what data are we feeding it and actually what we're for me using ai 
enables us to actually reach even higher standards to really think about what biases we have in the data, what potential biases we have in the algorithms, and trying to eliminate those. And so, for example, I've done some work with Unilever, and Unilever now uses artificial intelligence to interview candidates for jobs. And they use AIs to evaluate their CVs, to then conduct the interviews. And what they have found is that they're, they're recruiting a much more diverse talent pool using this process. So the whole focus was on actually eliminating some of the biases that we have. And, and for me, this is a real opportunity trying to understand how these systems are, are working, what um, what data we're feeding it, what algorithms are being used, and therefore trying to eliminate and highlight some of the biases that we might have in those systems. It's interesting you used some kind of governmental examples in your answer. Do you think that governments and regulators are keeping up with digital disruptors like AI and are able to create policy that is adequate in controlling it? This is a, a very good question, and, and I guess you know the answer already, that they are not, because this, this field is evolving so fast that regulators simply can't keep up at the moment. Um, what is interesting, though, is that, that we are seeing new regulations coming in, and because this field is moving so fast, we've seen a, a bit of a, a wild west for for some time now where where companies simply got away with with anything and have and, and even if the reg, regulators came along to to tell them off they would be very happy to pay some fines because they the, the business benefits have outweighed some of the fines that they might have to pay and i believe this is changing quickly so there's the european union european commission they've now put in place stricter regulation in the us we have seen stricter regulation that basically force companies to um to be more transparent and and make sure that they use ai ethically and this is one of the things that every company i work with i make sure that their ai projects are as transparent as they can be and as ethical as they can be. What about on a personal level? Um, as someone who's an expert in this field, are you concerned about organisations owning your data and using your data? And do you have any advice on keeping safe? Yes, absolutely. And I, 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 I think what we need is we need more more transparency and we need more trust in all of this. I believe that lots of companies are not getting this right at the moment, and I have serious concerns. I'm extremely careful about where I'm sharing my data, what I'm sharing, with a view to who will then use this data. So if I'm putting anything on Facebook, everyone should know by now that Facebook will use this data. And Facebook is now able to, simply based on your data, they can now determine with pretty high level of accuracy your level of intelligence, your sexual orientation, your religion, whether you're depressed or not, and so on. And you have, everyone has to make their own judgments. Do they, do they trust companies like Facebook to hold this kind of insight? And if not, they need to be very careful about sharing it. Um, on the other hand, Apple have a slightly different stance. They say your data is your own. We are never going to access your data. We won't analyze it. 
uh, and we will give you complete control. And uh, as a consumer, I would trust Apple with my data much more than I would Facebook, for example. But uh, from for me, what companies need to do is they need to make sure that they build consumer trust. Because at the moment, we still have this wide west situation where lots of people don't understand what is happening. They happily click the 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 consent button on 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 the user agreements, which nobody ever reads. Um, and even if you did read them, you probably wouldn't understand them. So we, we click, yes, we're happy to share and for the companies to use my data. Um, and I, I, I think in the future, having this trusting relationship will become much more important because consumers will be, will be more aware of what companies can potentially do with the data and therefore choose those companies that they trust. So for me, key for businesses is to think about how do we build this consumer trust and how do we actually share value back um, so so people are happy to share the data with me uh, in exchange for some real value for them and I, I guess at the moment companies see or individuals see companies like Facebook and so actually they're often offering me a free social social media site so therefore I, I exchange this for my data but i think more people are becoming wary whether this is actually the, the right price to pay for that it's interesting you talked about social media there because um i had a look at your twitter account and um i was really interested to see that you um tweeted about how coronavirus was causing companies to digitally fast track um do you think that organizations are still slow on the uptake of digitalization and do you think there'll be a long-term implication of coronavirus on the digital revolution? Completely. Um, so one of the articles I've just written for Forbes is how how the the coronavirus pandemic is actually fast tracking digital transformation in businesses. And we're seeing this with so it's, if if you think what is happening at the moment, some companies that have only operated through physical channels through shops they are now really finding it extremely difficult and those companies that are have moved to digital channels they can switch from physical to digital digital channels they have set up the infrastructure things like cloud computing that enables them to operate their business remotely where people can happily work from home and where they still have the, the security enabled those businesses that have done all of these things um, are now thriving. They can carry on with their business. Um, and the other thing we're seeing is it's fast-tracking lots of things that um, organizations have talked about for a long time. So I've always wondered why my local doctor's surgery, for example, is not offering me a, a, a video call to do some telemedicine because why would I want to go to to drive to to the to the doctor surgery to sit in the waiting room to potentially get infected with, with any diseases when I'm there when I can do this from the comfort of my home I could even this is what we had 20 30 years ago when doctors would do home visits so uh, and and we can now replicate this with technology where I can have a video call with my my GP and and all of these technologies are now being fast tracked because of the the current crisis where doctors simply can't see patients where, where we have restrictions on on movement and and social distancing um, regulations. 
So what I'm saying is that this is clearly fast-tracking this. And I see this even in my kids' schools now. Some of the schools, luckily my kids go to school in, 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 in go to schools where they have had digital systems set up, where they have digital learning platforms. So for that, for them, education hasn't really, really been affected that much. Whereas I see other parents where their, their schools haven't had those systems in place and they're now trying to figure out how to get some school work to, to their kids. So, and, and this, the, the, I think this experience will make all companies realize that they need to fast track their digital transformation and make sure that they're in a much better position in the future. In the future. That's really interesting, and um, yeah, I think that coronavirus will have a huge impact on a lot of sectors, but technology is a really interesting one. Um, I also read um, an article of yours on the Internet of Bodies and how employees at a company called Flea Square Market were microchipped to allow them to gain access to the company building. Um, I was just really interested in this, and do you think this will be a trend that will continue, or do you think it will be a kind of human rights backlash? So the Internet of Bodies is definitely a, a, a major trend. What I'm seeing is that we are that we are merging technology and our human bodies at the moment. And this sometimes seems very futuristic, but it actually is not something new because we've had aids that help us to do things and help us to do things better for a very long time. If you think about someone that can't see very well, we give them glasses. Nowadays, we have the ability if someone loses a, an arm or leg, we can have a, a, a very advanced robotic arm that we can even control with our minds. Um, we can now implant insulin pumps into our bodies and we can use contact lenses that will measure the glucose level in our tear liquid that can then communicate with our implanted um, insulin pump to make sure our insulin is regulated. So for someone with diabetes, it will completely transform their lives because they don't have to inject, they don't have to monitor, and so on. And I believe this is all a transition that will only increase. We now have this ability to 3D print body parts. Um, we have now medication that is intelligent, so I can swallow a little pill that will take a gut biopsy and then send the information to my smartphone. So this technology will only improve, and what I'm seeing in the future is that partly the human body will merge with more technology and more robotic um, parts to, to create a human uh, 2.0 at some point. But what do you think about companies accessing this data? Because for me, I'm, I, I don't know if I'd want to be microchipped to access my company. Um, do you think this, like the company's use of it, um, will continue to get um, more advanced as well? Yeah, I, I think what we need to do is we need to be very careful of how we um, put all this in place. So if if anyone can access my data, so if you think about wearing a fitness tracker, modern Apple watches 
are as good as medical devices in hospital to do your your to measure your heart rate and your your heart performance. Do I really want my employer to have access to this? Do I want my healthcare company, my my health insurance company to have access to this? So we have to be very careful about how we put those systems in place. So you're absolutely right. But I also believe that technology can help with all of this. So what we need to make sure is that we give we implement this all ethically and we create trust and we give people control about the data so it can't be exploited and in terms of technology things like blockchain will be able to help with all of this because if if my healthcare record for example which is is fed by my apple watches and some implants that i might have and that gives me a, a very accurate understanding of my my current health and might even predict future ailments if i'm in control of this information that because it's stored in the blockchain and i can give people access and i can take access away and i can monitor who's viewing what that i think will help to develop more trust in those systems but but as always at the moment lots of things are pretty open and and are open for open to be exploited what about business school graduates? Do you see them having the right knowledge on these key technologies, such as AI, um, big data, or blockchain? No. <laughs> so um, I, I obviously know the, the business school world pretty well. I've been been teaching MBAs and and business school um, uh, students, and I I still carry on doing this and. What I see is when I teach my classes, they usually see this as a huge eye-opener when I talk about some of the key future tech trends. And one of the reasons why I wrote my new book, Tech Trends in Practice, uh, was to really highlight the 25 technologies that are really driving this fourth industrial revolution. And so what, what I believe we need to do is we need to bring more of this technology into business schools. We need to make sure that that um, every MBA student is exposed to all of those key trends and they have a chance to reflect on, on what this will mean for the future of their, their businesses and industries. What would your advice be for business schools um, on how they should stay up to date and ensure their content remains relevant? I think what is really important is that business schools um, also have their own digital transformation. What I find is that lots of business schools are pretty risk averse. They are very happy to teach um, in the way that has been done for the last hundred years. And and again, very similar to, to businesses, those business schools that are have relied too heavily on, on in-class education and traditional channels are now finding it really difficult. Whereas if you look what is happening in, 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 in some other business schools, so for example, Harvard Business School has had the digital classroom uh, for a very long time where everyone can dial in and they can all interact with each other. The professor can sit there and interact with everyone individually as well as the classroom. And, and they've had this for many years. So for them, this current pandemic hasn't really meant major business disruption because they could just carry on and they can just shift channel. And 
And for me, this is what needs to take place more. Business could need to try a few more things and need to take a few more risks and move a bit faster and bring some of the digital technology and some of the digital teaching into all their courses. And what about on the other side? What advice would you give to a graduate who wants to be a manager in a digital organisation? So what... Again, this is something I've, I've, I've thought about a lot over the last few years. I've written many articles on future future skills that managers need. And obviously, any manager that wants to, to manage in a digital organization needs to have the right technology skills and technology literacy and digital literacy, as well as a, a good understanding of how they can use data and data science. So for me, technology, the understanding of technology and data literacy are vital skills. But then I would focus much more on the human skills because if we think about how fast artificial intelligence algorithms are now evolving, they will soon be able to do lots of the cognitive tasks that, that humans can do. And they can probably do them much better. So there are lots of things we actually can't com that that they will be we can't compete against them because they will be better than us. What they can't do at the moment is some of the more human things like um, having empathy and emotional intelligence. Things like having critical thinking is vitally important. We are now bombarded with fake news and 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 other things. So being able to understand where information is coming from, critically assess this, um, being able to be flexible and have the adaptability is really critical. Interpersonal communication, creativity, all of these things are vitally important skills of any manager in the future. And sometimes this is forgotten when we talk about future skills, we talk about technology and data. These are very important skills, but I would say that really the true, true human skills will be much more important. And people that can develop both good technology uh, skills, good data literacy, and balances with things like empathy, critical thinking, flexibility, ongoing learning, interpersonal communication, and creativity will, will be the ones that, that will thrive in the future. Well, thank you very much for talking to me today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I would love to have to do this again. It is clear that AI and digitalization is going to have a huge impact on the future of work. To learn more about this topic and many other topics, make sure and check out www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition for a new piece of thought leadership every morning. And make sure to check out the next Ambition podcast.